Hey there, thanks for stopping by and checking out the Seasons Podcast with Riley Winter. I'm Riley, your host, a local portrait photographer in the Black Hills of Rapid City, South Dakota. I specialize in weddings, seniors, families, and headshots. I have been so lucky and blessed these last eight years of business, having met and photographed so many people along the way. I believe photos tell the story of a day, hopefully giving you a glimpse in that moment of time. But not everyone gets to know the personal stories of those I photograph, like I do. They see a beautiful portrait of someone or a couple on their wedding day, but maybe they don't get to know that person, who they are, the struggles they have, or the stories of how they got to where they are today. So I wanted to give and create a space to tell the stories of those I've met, to hear their point of view and see what season of life they're in now. I have a list of fascinating people and conversations ahead, so I hope you tag along and maybe one or more of these topics will relate to you in your journey. Again, this is Riley Winter, The Seasons Podcast. Guys, this podcast has been such an incredible experience for myself the last few weeks. I continually get text messages and DMs of people relating to so many of the issues discussed in the first two episodes. It's just been so cool to see how many people have been listening, and I can't thank you all enough for that. My guest today is Kat Hastings, a NICU nurse and a personal friend of Megan and I's. Kat was a bridesmaid in our wedding this past summer, and through knowing her the last couple years, I have been so honored that she felt safe enough with me to tell her story. It's an incredibly personal message, a topic not everyone talks about, but I think it's important to share. Take a listen, and thanks for stopping by. Can you believe we're doing this? No. No. (laughs) You're unsure? Absolutely terrified. Are you ready for this? For the most part, I think, yeah. Well, we go from playing game night to Cody and Joe's last night. (laughs) (laughs) Which was... Laughing our faces off. Laughing our faces off to recording a podcast the next morning. So that's great. Um, Time to rally. Um, Guys, my guest today is Kat Hastings, a NICU nurse here in Rapid City. Now, you and your husband, Alex, are personal friends of Megan and I, some of our closest friends. And you and Megan became uh, friends in the USD nursing program. Yes. Here in Rapid. Yes, we did. Um, But before we get into where you are today, tell everyone, um, where are you from? Where are you from? I'm from Rapid. Mm -hmm. I was born in Michigan. Okay. And we lived there for two weeks. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. And then we moved to Rapid right then. Okay. Gotcha. And you have how many siblings? I have four brothers, two older and two younger. Yes. So you're in the middle. Yes. Okay. Um, What's it like being the only girl? You know, everybody, as I was growing up, just assumed that I was like such a little princess because I was the only girl. No. Not the case. No, no, no. I was one of the boys. One of the boys. That's good. One of the boys. That's good. Um, And you were homeschooled growing up. That I was. I was hoping maybe we'd keep that out of here. <laughs> no, I think that's I think that's important. That's oh yeah, good. definitely. Um, you were homeschooled K through twelve, but you did some classes in high school. Yep, my senior year in high school, okay. I took anatomy and physiology and concert choir at okay. Stevens. Yes, yes. And then I did some theater there at the end. Yeah, as a part of the Phantom of the Opera. Oh, I was in the chorus. Oh, and was, it was my first play was, of any okay. sort. And then I did okay. the one acts. Okay later on the student directed okay how would you how would you describe because you did both how was homeschooled versus public school I think that aspects of homeschooling I really liked okay. I liked the fact that I was at my own pace and I really had to learn mm-hmm. self-motivation right for stuff like that and it really helped going into college where Do nobody it. is forcing you to get anything done nobody is forcing you to go to class You're right you can fail if you want to fail, and right. there goes your money. Sure. Yeah. But I think that that aspect of it, because we really did do a lot of our own teaching. Sure. My mom had five kids, and so yeah. she At homeschooled them all. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that yeah. it definitely was really good yeah. training for the future. Sure. You didn't allow yourself to get to fall behind, in a sense. I didn't. Some well. of my brothers did, but... <laughs> I and I was a very dedicated student. <laughs> Diligent, yes. Okay. Yes. Um, you know, uh, uh, and and somehow at Stevens, we didn't cross paths, or I'm sure we did, just didn't remember because I you were in Cody's grade. I was year, in Cody's uh, yeah, grade a year above us, above yep. me. Um, and you know, a few weeks ago, we were talking about how we had to have been in the same place at least once or twice 
I'm sure. We had to have been because I went to prom as a sophomore with a senior girl who happened to be one of your closest friends growing up. Yes. And so we had to have hung out at least once or been in the same place. I can't imagine. We have to have been at a youth group somewhere at the same time. Yeah. Like an armadillo's or something. Exactly. We've definitely been in the same place at the same time. Because I knew who you were. Prior to to us being friends now, we had to have been somewhere. Absolutely. Obviously, our memories failed us, and we... (laughs) (laughs) Don't mind me, just dumping coffee everywhere. (laughs) Well, here we are, all these years later, friends, and it's just funny how it works out, I think. You and your husband, Alex, have been married for how long now? A little over three years. Three years. Okay. I mean, I love Alex. I'm a huge fan. I think he's one of the funniest people I know. And he'll just send like a snap or a text now and then out of nowhere and just like, you'll be laughing like crazy. It's just, where did this come from? And it's just so funny. I don't know that anybody could survive a day in the brain of that man. (laughs) Everything is just out of left field. You have to always expect the unexpected. You have no idea what's going to come out of his mouth. Well... Which is fun. It keeps you on your toes. Yeah. Um, it, it, he is just too fun. How did you guys meet? We met um, working in the lab right. at Monument. Yes. Back then, it was regional health. Of course. Yes. Um, yeah. I had moved to town mm-hmm. from Spearfish. Yep. I went to school in Spearfish, yep. stayed for the town, and I lived there for about seven years. Okay. And had planned on going to nursing school. Yeah. So some circumstances changed, and mm-hmm. I decided to move to Rapid and try to get a job in the healthcare field. Sure, sure. And I had a friend who had a friend who yeah. um, was the lab manager at the time. Okay. And she got me connected with him, and I started as a phlebotomist okay. at the Aspen Clinic. Okay, yeah. And Alex was working in the lab. Yep, yep. And he was not supposed to be at work that day. He was supposed he had picked up a shift there. Okay. And he came right over, super cute. <laughs> and uh, the girl who was training me, mm-hmm. um Hannah, we were she was teaching me how to stick people sure. and how to draw blood and stuff and Alex comes over and he goes, "Hey Hannah, I just found out this really good way to be condescending to people and she said what's that and he goes oh it's when you talk down to them oh and so he's making this joke and she was like she didn't get it she did not get it (laughs) and i was laughing so hard because i was like oh my god this this cute (laughs) this cute guy is also funny (laughs) so then we started talking about Music sure. and he was like, "Oh well, I'm gonna add you on Facebook so we can talk about music." Oh. And that's what we did for three okay. days straight. We sent each other all of our favorite songs, sure. and we didn't talk about anything else for those three days. Just vibing over the music. Yeah, just loving that's it. So cool. It was pretty cool. And how long were you guys together when before you got married? Then a li- a few days longer than a year. Cool. Good. After high school, like you said, you ended up going to Black Hill State University. I did. Did you know you wanted to be a nurse right away, or what was the plan originally? I did. I went to school with the intention of getting a music degree right. and a nursing degree. Because yeah, you are and, incredibly talented and gifted with music and well, singing. thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so music and nursing were both in the sights. Yes. Okay. That I was planning on getting all of my pre-nursing done while mm-hmm. I did my music. Correct. And then I was going to go to nursing school afterwards. Okay. And my senior year, I... At BH. At BH. Yeah. During, I did vocal music performance. Okay. And during my senior year, I really realized that there was no possible way for me to commit the 20 hours a week of practice time mm-hmm. on top of trying to get good enough grades in all these hard science classes to get into nursing school. It's a lot. And so I dropped my pre-nursing mm-hmm. with the understanding that if I decided to go back, I would go back. Yep. And so I graduated with my music degree, mm-hmm. and shoot, it was probably a year and a half later that I decided to go back. Okay, okay. Now, for everyone who's not aware, uh, BHSU, Black Hill State University, does not have a nursing or medical school uh, there. So, like you said, you have to go your 
to normally get your first two years of generals there before having to move to another school, either in-state or out-of-state, for nursing yes. or medical programs such as that. So, from from, <laughs> from there, you were accepted into University of South Dakota's nursing program at the Rapid City campus yes. here in town, mm-hmm. which is where you met my wife, Megan, and you two became friends. We did. Tell me about those first few weeks of nursing school. Was it what you imagined it to be? Because first few weeks of nursing school is brutal. It was a train wreck. <laughs> <laughs> Just a disaster. It was insane. Yeah. That nursing school is something that is completely different from any other sort of school that I'd ever done. Right. It was so much harder in a different way mm-hmm. that all of your questions are, which is the best possible answer, mm-hmm. A, B, C, or D? In this scenario. And they're all right answers. Right. But you have to f- pick, you have to prioritize breathing over circulation or whatever, that there's this whole thing mm-hmm. And you have to retrain your brain to think a different way when it comes to test taking. Mm-hmm. And it was exhausting. <laughs> it was exhausting. <laughs> and Alex and I had decided, we actually tried to, like, two weeks into nursing school, we were like, you know what sounds great? Yeah. Let's get a puppy. Oh, good. Sure. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> and we're going through all of this transition time. We're yeah. planning our wedding. Yeah. Because we got married at the end of our first sem- my first semester of nursing school. Yeah, yeah. And we were like, let's get a puppy. Yeah. That'll be great. Yeah. And poor Snaps. Oh. We we did end up having to give her back. We were like, yeah. we just were much. not in a place yeah. that we could do it. Yeah. And we it, just had such high hopes. Yeah, I, I hear you. It's, you know, it's an intense two-year program. I yeah. Mean, you and Megan have a lot of long days. And yes. It's... It's great. I mean, you guys had a couple dropouts in your class that did we not did. make it. We did. That didn't um, or that... Which is to be expected. Absolutely. Yeah. In any sort of professional program like that, not everybody's cut out for it. No. And we had somebody drop out the very first week. We had yeah. a couple people transfer out or right. need to repeat a semester. Yep. And that's totally acceptable. Yep. That... There are a lot of people that even when it comes to, at the end, you take your NCLEX, your certification test, and not everybody passes the first time, Right. but it doesn't make you any less of a nurse at the end of the day if you have to take your test twice. No, not at all. It's just, like you said, it's just a very intense program that is almost individualized to each person, your Mm -hmm. experience for it. That is definitely mentally, emotionally Mm -hmm. draining. Yeah, totally. And Meg and I joke now that you know we both went into the nursing program with no intention of making friends <laughs> we're going into Just it trying to survive here. exactly <laughs> like we were like i've already got enough friends like that's yep. not why i'm here i'm here to get my nursing degree mm-hmm. and go to work right exactly and who would have known would have known a year and a half later i'm in your wedding yeah. and we are so crazy i consider her one of my very very best friends yeah. That yeah. that's a connection yeah. that Going through a program like that brings you together. Yeah, totally, totally. Today you are a NICU nurse, the newborn intensive care unit, which doesn't surprise me that you're there, knowing you and the heart you have, but was that a specialty you always saw yourself in, or did you consider something else beforehand? So as I was growing up in middle school and high school especially, I wanted to do pediatric oncology nursing. Okay. And I just... I had a little bit of experience with oncology just because I had a cousin who mm-hmm. had leukemia. Mm-hmm. He's since in remission and sure. stuff, but we spent a lot of time at Denver Children's with him. Okay. And I really enjoyed interacting with the nurses and really getting to see the heart that they had for their patients. Right. Right. And so I thought, you know, this is probably one of the most intense times in a family's life. Mm-hmm. So scary. Mm-hmm. And they need good nurses who care about them to be there. Right. And so I was originally thinking that that's where I was going to end up. Sure. And it wasn't until I was working in the lab yeah. that um, the clinic setting was not my style. Okay. I, I mean, I was wor- I worked there for quite a while, yeah. but yeah. they had an opening yeah. for the phlebotomists in the NICU. Yeah. And I was like, that sounds pretty cool. This is it. Seeing mm-hmm. all the babies and stuff. That sounds like a really important job. Yeah. 
And so I wanted to train over there and just see if I liked it. Totally. And I fell in love with the patient population, Mm -hmm. those babies, their families. And the nurses that were there, I loved that they had such a camaraderie. It was a real family setting. Totally. And so when I, halfway through my time in nursing school they we had the opportunity to do a nursing externship yep so basically like a paid internship we're working as a nurse Mm -hmm. under another nurse's license megan did one too yep yep and so i chose the nicu as my place that i wanted to do that right to see if nicu nursing was really for me right and i loved it good when i finished that summer i was like I don't want to do anything else. This is it. I have no interest in patients that can talk back. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I, there, I have so much respect for people that do every other type of nursing that I know that I could never do. But it's not for everyone. It is not. No, no. And not everyone's personality is is for every single specialty. So tell everyone what the NICU is and what circumstances or needs um, a baby would be in there to be transferred into your care. So the NICU, the neonatal intensive care unit, Mm -hmm. is mostly for sick or premature babies. Okay. So we take normal gestation for a newborn Mm -hmm. is 37 to 40 weeks is what we consider a term infant. Okay. Any babies born below 36 weeks Mm -hmm. automatically come to us. Right. Any babies who are born less than five pounds automatically come to us. Okay. We have a lot of infections that can happen during the birthing process. There are mm-hmm. a lot of, some babies just need a little extra time mm-hmm. to come around and they'll come to us on a little CPAP or a little nasal cannula for a day or two and then they come yeah. right back around. Yeah. And some babies um, have trouble regulating their blood sugars right at the beginning. Those right. are a lot of our admits that... They're normal term babies, just sure. need a little help figuring out their blood sugars, and then sure. they go home. Sure, sure. All of them are a little different. I'm yep. sure every case is different. Absolutely. Yep. And it's not just something about NICU nursing that really is a little more difficult, is you're not just caring for this baby. You're caring for the but family. But you're caring for the family. Yeah. And yeah. trying to deal with all of those emotions yep. that come along with that, that every mother has in her head mm-hmm. an idea of what their birthing processes, taking their brand new baby home, mm-hmm. especially first-time parents that yeah. have absolutely no idea what's going on. Yeah. And then to know that your baby is five minutes old and now you yeah. don't get to hold them anymore. They're coming me. to me yeah. and you can come in, you can hold them, you can still breastfeed, you can do all of those things. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they're not spending the night in your room with you right. and they're not going home with you right now. Which is not what those families imagine no right right away and that's a hard pill to swallow yes and it's a grieving process that they have to go through that they have to grieve the normal experience that they expected yeah well and i would imagine too it i mean very different because other patients in other areas other specialties come with a medical history exactly so you have a blueprint to work from and Mm -hmm. these guys between you and their doctors and whoever else it's it is a guessing game it is because every baby is different we can't say we can't give a timeline and that's the hardest part i think that everybody's first question is well when can they come home yeah and i I can't tell you when that we might take 12 steps forward tomorrow and we might take four steps back the next day and we have a list of five things that every baby has to do before they can go home. Of course. You know, being married to Megan and obviously a nurse like yourself, being a spouse of a healthcare provider, sometimes I feel helpless and I know Alex has to, has had to be there for you as well. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Um, I myself, you know, like I said, had to be there for Megan and, and some days are harder than others for you guys. Some are easier and remind you, I'm sure why you do what you do, but some days you girls come home in tears. Just the things oh, that yes. you've seen. Um, I want to make it clear that to everyone that we're not sharing any privacy or HIPAA violations. Yep. But you tell me, and, and we're not sharing names, doctors, experiences, or stuff like that. But tell me, um, what was one of your hardest days at work? 
one of my hardest days at work actually involves a baby that used to be in the NICU. Okay. That in the NICU, we have the ability to be on a care team. Mm -hmm. So you can Mm -hmm. basically adopt this baby into your heart and you, every day that you work, Mm -hmm. as much as we're able to, Mm -hmm. you are the nurse for that baby. Okay. And it... Care teams, we usually do them for babies that we know are going to be there for an extended amount of time because having that continuity of care is so important for families and for babies, Mm -hmm. knowing that there's somebody here who knows us, who knows the baby and knows just how they respond to things Mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I had a baby who I was on his care team. I had him every single day of work for a few months mm-hmm. and um at some point during his stay mm-hmm. he had to be shipped out yeah we do transport babies out who need surgical help who need cardiac services mm-hmm. or other things that we anything that yeah. like we can't figure out sure. sure because sometimes there are those babies that we just cannot Nothing's working. Figure out. Yeah. Yeah. And so there was a baby who did need to be shipped out. And that in and of itself was a traumatic experience for the family and for me and his other care team nurses. Mm -hmm. And the hardest part about that is that once those babies leave, Mm -hmm. we don't get to know what happens to them. Yeah. That's a lingering thought that weighs with you. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the first baby that I was really attached to. Yeah. Like, I I love all of my babies, but he had a very special place in my heart. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a moment that was probably one of the hardest days of work. Yeah. For me. Yeah. Oh. Megan, we're... (laughs) We need tissues. (laughs) Oh. Tell me about one of your best days, a lighter note. Oh my goodness. The best days are always getting to, I have two best days. Yeah. <laughs> that the first is always those babies that have been there for so long, yeah. born at 23 weeks. Totally. And they've been there for four to five months, the day that they get to go home. Yeah. And you know... You've put your heart and soul into this baby. You've educated Mm -hmm. these parents. They know everything. Mm -hmm. They're ready to go. Yeah. Every one of those days. We have graduation ceremonies. Oh, okay. We have little graduation (laughs) gowns and little hats that all their nurses sign that they get to take home. Yeah. And it's just a big party when those babies get to go home. And that's such an amazing moment that really reminds me. This is why I do what I do. Yeah. Those are good days. For those moments. Yeah. Those are good days. And my other personal favorite experience is, so in the NICU, we do a lot of education with parents. Mm -hmm. We help them with a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Breastfeeding is one of the main things that we get the chance to help them with. Yeah. Because breastfeeding a preterm baby is totally different from breastfeeding a term baby. They don't have... The face muscles that are mature, they just don't have the stamina. Mm -hmm. It's a lot more difficult to breastfeed a preterm baby. And my favorite moments are always getting that baby to latch on for the very first time with that mom and just seeing all that raw emotion of this is a moment that they've really been waiting for. Yeah, totally. Totally. I love those moments. Those are good. Those are good ones. Do you hope to stay in the NICU or are there other areas that you would like to tap into someday? NICU, I think, is for now, is where I foresee myself being in the long term. That, you know, everybody 20 years from now, who knows, maybe I'll get burnt out. It is a very emotionally draining job and there are some people that switch career paths and go into education or go into a different field and... I'm not there yet, Yeah, but Who I'm knows? pretty much open to anything. Yeah, absolutely. Which is the beauty of that of being a nurse. Yeah, 100%. Change and it's 
accepted and welcomed to yeah. do so. Like I said before, you and Alex are some of our closest friends. Just with you guys and and all of our friends. We were just together, all of us, last night. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) You and Megan bonded very soon, being in the nursing program. And I know you both obviously helped one another uh, through that whole thing. And and Megan is forever grateful for your help through all that. I just Uh, love her. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But... uh, more importantly, from that experience, uh, like we talked about earlier, we gained new friends, you and Alex, from that experience. Yes. Um, I know Megan is grateful for, especially when you, her, and Grace went to Sioux Falls to pick out her wedding dress That together. was such a good trip. <laughs> Wild. Or um, you you personally were such a big help um, on our wedding day. You were a bridesmaid, and that's something my mom always mentions. Oh, Kat was so helpful on the Aww. big day. And, you know, so... We thank you for that. that Maybe we good. do need tissues. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just Christy. helped helped everyone get where they needed to be, and just helped Megan on that day, which is what a bride needs. Yeah, you know, of course. Um, the night before, oh yeah, the night before the wedding, we had rented an Airbnb <laughs> for the wedding party, and that was wild. That's just one of my favorite memories with with you and Alex, and you know, I still, of course, said. The videos of you two dancing the night before in the Airbnb together. (laughs) Or Cody was wild and dancing too. Oh my gosh. That was Delete some of those. Delete some of those. (laughs) Post them to the pod story. Oh God. (laughs) Oh. One one thing about our friend group, and there's about 10 of us that hang out on a regular Mm -hmm. basis, um, is that we were just naturally drawn to one another example you and Megan um and whether that is through some of us knowing each other longer and going to school together or whatever it may be um and and looking back from an outside perspective or if someone else is looking at all of us there's many things that bond all of us together um and and without telling everyone's stories because I hope to have some of them on as guests as well um many people have come together or bonded in in our friend circle um over similar stories and that includes uh some different upbringings. Um, some people have struggled with friends or family issues. Um, mm-hmm. Some have lost a parent or um, few people in our group uh, have had parents that didn't want to be parents growing up, mm-hmm. which kind of bonded everyone together. Um, some people have seen things and done things that just were drawn. There's just, It's just so cool to see like on a map if you were to draw just the connections between yeah. all of us. You know, everyone has a different relationship with one another because of certain experiences yeah. which I think is so cool. I love it. Um, something that I love about you and your personality and your character is that you are incredibly open to conversation, especially the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. And you and Megan, of course, have had a lot of intense talks and I'm that's wonderful. I know you guys have needed one another, but you and I have had in, some intense talks. Yes, too, we have. Which I appreciate. Um, I told you before that I wanted to have a, have you on the podcast because of your own personal story. And I think that that message will resonate with many. Um, you are a sexual assault survivor. Yes. And already into your <laughs> <laughs> And I could not think of a more graceful or kind-hearted person to talk about this with today. Mm-hmm. So I just want everyone to know that we talked about this ahead of time, that this is not a curveball that you knew we were going to talk yes, about this absolutely. today. absolutely. Didn't want to cut, catch you off guard, but I think it's important that um, we talk about this today. Um, because it's such a taboo thing. Such a taboo Nobody thing. talks no about it. No one talks it. about this. And it's yeah. something that is seen as so shameful yeah. for yeah. the victims and those survivors that yeah. somebody who is molested or assaulted or raped yeah that is seen as something so shameful to have gone through and it doesn't need to be that way and people need to talk about it more absolutely um i completely agree and so you know in your own words however much you would like to share or tell everyone um share however much of your survival story you'd like to okay uh yeah so New Year's Eve, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I had been at a house party 
Yeah. And it was one of those things that I look back on and I go, okay, well, you didn't know very many people there or you did drink too much and things like that that you really then harp on yourself for. Yeah. That there were plenty of things that I could have done differently that would probably not have had the same result. Mm -hmm. But I had been at this house party with people that I didn't really know. I had one mutual friend who had invited me. In Spearfish? In Rapid City. In Rapid. In Rapid. Yep. I was still living in Spearfish at the time, but it was kind of a friend of a friend who I was starting to get to know that invited me over for this house party for New Year's Eve. Right. And so we got to drinking. Mm-hmm. Apple pie will <laughs> really get you. Yep, yep. Um, and I truly don't have a lot of memory yeah. of later aspects of that night. Sure. But it... <sighs> later on, after midnight had happened... I took myself into the bedroom that I had claimed earlier on in the night. Sure. I plugged which my... Which is normal. Which you is would, normal. Yeah, like, would, yeah, claim a spot earlier. Yeah, that yeah. this was where I was going to sleep for the night, yeah. that yeah. nobody was drinking and driving, They Being it smart. was going to be safe. Yes. And so I went to bed, I plugged in my phone, and I set my alarms, mm-hmm. and I went to sleep. Yeah. And then I woke up. In the middle of the night, and stuff was happening. That was that was happening. Yeah, right. And I think back and go, you know, when I told the people in the house that this was what would what had happened, Mm -hmm. um, they. Everybody had been drinking, mm-hmm. so nobody was allowed to leave the house. Mm-hmm. And so I had to stay there still. Mm-hmm. And they moved me into a different room and tried to tell me that, you the know, people you, at the, house, the people at the house. Yeah. Yeah. Move me into a different room and tried to tell me, you know, you had been drinking quite a bit. Are you sure that that's what happened? I don't really know that that's. Like, it's your word against his, and when he was confronted... Which makes you feel crazy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That when they confronted him, he was like, no, I mean, she was was down for everything, and um, yeah, nothing happened. Mm -hmm. Nothing happened. And later on, as I was talking to one of the people who'd been at the house, they said, you know... It's your word against his, and I don't think we can really do anything about it. It's so interesting that that they took on like an authoritative approach of yeah. the situation. You know, almost trying to mask something that they knew. Exactly. You know, it's who are you guys to say that this did or didn't happen? You were three sheets to the wind too. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know, exactly. Just, and it was that. Victims are not always believed. And I was in a place where I obviously didn't know very many people very well. Mm -hmm. And in that situation. Yeah. Exactly. In that situation. And it's easier for people to assume that this strange girl that they don't know is lying. Yeah. Than to think some girl, she's crazy. She's crazy. Exactly. This drunk bitch. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That that is easier to believe than to believe that. Their buddy is capable of something like that. Yeah. They're going to believe their friend, which, I, you know, I don't know. If someone tells exactly. you something about your friend that you know and love. Mm-hmm. That you would never think that they would do that. Right. And so how, I can't say what I would think in that moment. Yeah. But yeah. I know what happened. Yeah. And, and that's all that matters. Exactly. After this incident, how did how did you cope right away? Uh, I coped right away with a lot of wine. Yeah. And I really, truly didn't 
I didn't process it for a while. Yeah. That it was just kind of, okay, mm-hmm. this just happened. Mm-hmm. And I went over to one of my friend's houses. They were having a Harry Potter marathon <laughs> <laughs> for New Year's Day. Yeah. And so I went there and pulled my friend into the kitchen and we talked about it. And I just was like, I mean, like this just happened. Mm-hmm. And at the time you feel disgusting. You feel absolutely violated. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really think about what I was going to do next. Mm-hmm. And so I went and I took a shower and I washed everything off. Mm-hmm. Which then looking back, you know, is not what, is not what they would recommend. They yeah. would want you to do. Yeah. That it wasn't until later on that night that I called two of my friends. I called my friend Emma, who... Was no longer living in Spearfish, but had worked at the emergency room. Mm -hmm. I called her just for some advice and to see, do they do rape kits at the emergency room and what that looks like? And because obviously I've never been in that situation before, so I don't know what to do. And so she asked if I was comfortable with it and she called ahead to let them know that I was coming in Mm -hmm. and... When I got to town, I grabbed my friend Taylor and she went with me to the emergency room. And that was a whole other experience that Mm. still at the time I was just feeling numb. Yeah. Yeah. That I knew that this had happened and my brain was telling me that I should be upset about that. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't really upset about it yet. Yeah. And... It was probably a month and a half later before I did finally see somebody. I went to a therapist. Good. And that was my reasoning was this happened a month and a half ago and Mm -hmm. I feel like I should be upset about it. Mm -hmm. And I'm not. Right. And so my therapist in Spearfish really helped me to start processing what had happened and obviously that it was not my fault that you can tell yourself Mm -hmm. over and over and over again all of the things that you could have done differently but at the end of the day it is not my fault and it's so much easier to blame yourself for something like that because if you blame somebody who you're never going to see again that stays with you. That stays with you. Yeah. And it's something that, you know, you need closure on. Yeah. And it's something that's so random mm-hmm. that you can't explain. Mm-hmm. There's no, this is why this happened. Yeah. You can't explain anything. And something that just randomly happened to you and yeah. not because of you, right. it happened to you. Doesn't make it easy to reconcile in your head. No, not at all. Not at all. I'm, I'm great. I'm so glad that you sought help right away. Yeah. Did not let this go by. And, you know, whatever happened with that person, at least you processed it. Exactly. Um, he can whatever when it, when he meets his maker someday that's on him but i'm exactly. glad for you that you have worked through this thank you You know that's incredibly important yeah so 100 that's probably the main lesson here is to talk to someone yeah it doesn't have to Seek be a professional yep friend family probably but find <laughs> but find someone yes to talk to yeah because support systems are so important yeah and I know and that... You know that in your daily job. 100%. Yeah, exactly. And I know that I was unfortunately kind of privileged in the fact that I did have so many people that I could turn to yeah. that could help me through that. Mm-hmm. And I think that at the time I was like, I really hope that someday I can use this, that I have so many people helping mm-hmm. me through this. 
Mm-hmm. Hopefully I can do that for somebody. Yeah. And I think you are. And that's kind of a full circle because a little bit different topic, but you're now helping others in need, meaning exactly. these families and whatever they're going through. And you understand the compassion necessary and needed to help them. Yeah. With these little babies and their families. So mm-hmm. that's wonderful. You know, in, in my lifetime, and this is where I wanted to talk to you about this and share it with everyone else because, like you said in the beginning, it is taboo. People don't talk about this as much. And, you know, in my lifetime, I have been very honored that people have felt that I'm a safe place for them to confide in. And that means a lot to me. It's mm-hmm. also very heavy to take on. Yeah. Um, but I have had 12 people, 12 people come forward and tell me their story. 12 friends. And that's 12 too many, you know. Exactly. 12 too many. And like... 12 people that I know, uh, these are 12 people that I know who have felt safe enough to come forward and tell me. So you can about imagine how many are there. How many you know that didn't tell you. That are around us every single day, you know, that they just live their life holding that burden, shame, if they feel that. And none of us know, you know, and that's just, that's crazy to me. But I mean, for me, I'm 28 years old and I've had 12 people come to me in my lifetime and tell me that something happened to them. And, you know, that, like I said, that's a heavy weight, but I didn't experience that. But it's just, it's a, it's a, it's shocking to me that 12 people that I know care about, friends or family, whoever they are, yeah. experience that. It's just mind-blowing that my mind, it's hard to wrap around, you know. And these are people that, you know, they are both, I'll make that clear that they're both male and female. Absolutely. And... Some happen earlier in life and some happen later in their early adult life. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think, very important. You know, I just doing some research ahead of time before our conversation. The American nonprofit RAIN, um, the Rape, Abuse and Incest National Network is located in Washington, D.C. and was founded in 1994. Um, One of their statistics is that every 68 seconds an American citizen is sexually assaulted. That's crazy. That's horrifying. Every 68 seconds. That's just... And, and on average, 463,634 of these victims are age 12 and older um, of rape and sexual assault each year. 463,000 are victims of rape and sexual assault each and every year. That's, that's a lot of people. That's crazy. And of that 54%, 50, or, and of that, 54, 50, of Take that, 54% are... <laughs> At higher risk between the ages of 18 to 34. Um, And then women ages 18 to 24 who are college students are three times more likely than women in general to experience that. So 18 to 24 women in college are three times more likely to experience that. And men ages 18 to 24 who are college students are five times more likely. I would believe that. And... This is where I connect because, you know, same as you connecting with your cousin having cancer mm-hmm. kind of drew you back to that. I, I Like I said, I had 12 people that came forward to me and confided in me. But also, like, this is where every year I send kids out the door that are my seniors, you yeah. know. And I am not a teacher, but I'm incredibly connected to my senior kids. And yeah. I know I went to college. I had a wonderful college experience. But they're all going to different parts of the country, different parts of the state. And I just worry about them you know yeah. i do and because the statistics say right that here yeah we just said it how many of them yeah will experience something like that. absolutely that's just you know i just wish i could just wrap my arms around all of them and not like and i can't because that's life has to be experienced and yeah. it, you know so you know overall i think it just touches my heart because i know so many people who have gone through this but like i said my seniors and you know I always give a little advice to them at the end of senior year before they graduate. It's usually a post on Instagram. And one of those pieces of advice is always stick together in these places. You know, always tell someone what you're doing or where you're going. Mm-hmm. And that might not necessarily prevent something that happens because, it, like you said, it can be in a safe environment. It can be with people that you think are safe. Absolutely. But I think just make sure to watch out for your friends. Keep a head count if you guys are going somewhere, mm-hmm. and that's all you can really do. You know, from then on out, 
who knows what happens. And again, it's no one's fault, but I just want them to look out for one another. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Keep your eye out, keep the signs out, you know, and I think that's all we can really do. I think especially with, you know, the last couple of years, the Me Too movement, mm-hmm. um, this yeah. has obviously been a big topic um, and has raised some awareness. Um, like you said, it's still a little taboo to talk about, um, but I think at least where we live, um, when you hear about some of these things, there is like an immediate outrage. You know, sometimes you'll see that on like Facebook or Twitter, yeah. you know, and people, be, especially like some of the universities and some, which is great. Uh, you know, people will say this guy, I don't know, for an example, maybe some of the bigger schools and say this guy, you'll see a tweet about it, mm-hmm. you know, and oh, this guy. And then everyone in the comments are saying, you know, uh. Oh yeah, similar story, similar story, and I, I don't, I'm not sure if that's necessarily the best way to go about it, but I think as a culture around here, at least people kind of rallied together, and right. I, and that's not, that is not the case in other parts of the country, you know, it goes completely overlooked, you yeah. know. Um, so, what do you think about that as far as raising awareness in in our community? I think very much just making it less taboo to talk about so people feel like they can come forward and tell their stories and Mm -hmm. know that they are not alone this happens a lot more often than we think Mm -hmm. and stop making it about the survivors stop making it about the victims that these are the things that you can do to prevent being raped right i saw something the other day that said you know telling somebody all of the things that they can be doing um, to prevent rape is basically just saying that you hope that they rape somebody else. Sure. Not you or your daughter. Exactly. Yeah. That there will always be someone who has less friends watching out for them, who mm-hmm. gets a little drunker, mm-hmm. or who is walking out more alone. Mm-hmm than you and yes you should absolutely protect yourself from those kinds of situations but we need to stop making it about that Mm -hmm. that the problem is not with women being raped Mm -hmm. the problem is with people raping women or men totally that it needs to be about the person doing it yeah going to the source for sure and I don't know how we do that no because you know it's in our news every day and some people it's a huge headline mm-hmm. you know and and yeah overall it's I, I don't know what the solution is other than just talking about this today right. like we are and letting people know that they're not alone yeah kind of summed it up a little bit in, in what you just said but if there's anyone out there listening today what is your message for them I think knowing that Trauma in and of itself is not Mm -hmm. linear. No. That it's okay for something like that to affect you for a very long time. Yeah. And you might go through times where you feel absolutely, totally okay. Mm -hmm. But I still get just tiny flashbacks of, to this day, tippy cup (laughs) messes me up. Yeah. Because... Silly little game. Just we played it that night, and it just brings me right back to that. Yeah. That things you're never going to be one hundred percent okay. Or the same. Or the same. Yeah. Absolutely. And knowing that all you can do mm-hmm. is your best. That's right. All you can do is try to know your resources, have your support people that you feel safe talking about stuff with. Mm-hmm. And knowing that it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. And like we both said earlier, to try and talk to someone. Yeah. That's all you can do is for yourself. Yeah. And to not put a timeline on that. Yeah. That somebody might be able to deal with it in a year and be Mm -hmm. totally fine. Mm -hmm. Somebody else might take five years, ten years. It might affect you for the rest of your life. Yeah. But you can't put a timeline on stuff like that. Where do you feel like you're at in this season of life? Or what would you call this season of life for yourself? I feel like 
this season of life is a season of discovery mm-hmm. and things. adventure. Yeah. That mm-hmm. I've recently accepted a position travel nursing yeah. within the NICU. Mm-hmm. I'm going to Maine. Yep. And that's something that's so exciting and mm-hmm. so outside of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And I'm really looking to figure things out about myself, do a lot of self exploration. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Alex and I are in a stage of really growing mm-hmm. and working towards building a family. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I think that right now is a season of mm-hmm. figuring out what life looks like right now. That's okay. That ties into my last question. What What is your light and, and what drives you forward? I would say just trying to be better every day mm-hmm. is something that I really work towards mm-hmm. that I want to be a positive light in somebody's life. Yeah. Yeah. That's Whatever cool. that looks like. I like that. For them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to know, I think you are incredibly brave for telling your story today. I know you were nervous, but it's I think this nervous. is so important. <laughs> I think you are a voice for the voiceless. I believe you are an incredible example of perseverance and moving forward to get the happy ending that you deserve. And you are an absolutely phenomenal nurse and you touch the lives of those you help every single day. You are a wonderful friend to uh, Megan and myself and we are grateful to have you in our lives. And I thank you for being on here today. Thank you. (laughs) I just love you guys. What a tough but awesome conversation with my friend Kat today. I am so happy with how it turned out and again, grateful and honored that she was able to share her message once more with me and now with all of you. I think you would all agree she is incredibly brave for sharing this with us. For anyone listening, as Kat said, you are not alone. So please talk to someone if you experience something similar. We are with you and stand beside you. Thanks for listening.